0: G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation and welcome to episode 31 of the WP Elevation podcast. In this episode, our feature guest is Jason Vance from Bubble Up Marketing. I reached out to Jason recently, sent him an email and just said, hey, just checking in to see how business is going. Jason emailed me back straight away and said, business is really good. Uh, We're now 18 staff looking to hire more. We knocked out about 100 projects last year. Uh, The first quarter of this year has been amazing. We are just onwards and upwards, and I was blown away. So I reached out to him straight away and said, righto, I gotta get you on the podcast and learn how you've done this. So in this episode, you're gonna learn what it's like to manage a team of developers and designers and marketers, work on projects over $100,000. How do you negotiate and land those contracts? There's tons of gold in this. And also, as usual, there's a competition. We're going to be giving away a $50 amazon voucher so you can go and buy your favorite book and jason is actually going to give us a tip on which book you should go and buy stay with us let's elevate this is the wp elevation podcast helping wordpress consultants elevate this episode of the WP Elevation Podcast is brought to you by Obox Mobile, a plugin available at Code Canyon for only $35, which enables you to turn your WordPress website into a mobile site. Now I know that a lot of us are using responsive themes to make our WordPress websites responsive, but the thing I love about this plugin is that it allows you to to build a mobile version of your website that kind of looks and feels like a native app. So it's not just a shrunk responsive version of your website, it looks and feels more like a native app. Uh, I've put together a video walkthrough and some download templates on how you can use this plugin to drive more revenue into your business by offering mobile versions of websites to your clients. So visit wpelevation.com slash oboxmobile, that's O-B-O-X-M-O-B-I-L-E, and uh, watch the video walkthrough and get a handle on how you can use this plugin to drive more revenue into your business. All right, the elevation tip this week is... Know your strengths, and I know that might sound really lame, but here's the thing. Once you know what you're really good at, you can focus on doing that, and you can start to build a team of other people around you in your business to do the things that you're not very good at. For example, I'm not very good at coding anymore. I used to be, but not so much these days. So I have build a team of people around me who can do the technical stuff and I can focus on what I'm good at, which is hopefully interviewing people on the podcast and delivering training. The reason I also mention this is because in this podcast interview this week, Jason talks about a book called Strengths Finder by Marcus Buckingham and he also talks about the disc assessment. Uh, I'll put all the links in the show notes under the video here. Um, I would strongly recommend you get your hands on the book and run a disc assessment on yourself to work out what you are best at in the business and that will give you an idea of where you add the most value i have conversations with wordpress consultants or developers all the time who keep saying i just want to get off the code i'm sick of coding i want to do more biz dev work with clients Uh, they're not really sure how to take that next step i think it's really important to know what you're good at identify your strengths and then focus on that all right this week's episode is an interview with jason vance from bubble up marketing uh jason it blew my mind in this interview how how much he is willing to shoulder the responsibility of building a company um, which comes with all its stresses. He has a team of 18 staff. Uh, They have you know, over 300 clients. They did 100 projects last year. They just closed a contract for $140,000. This guy's a big deal. Uh, They're based in Edmonton in Canada. I know you are gonna learn a lot about how to build a real business uh, around WordPress and web. So I really hope you enjoy this interview as much as I enjoyed making it. And stick around for details on the competition and how you can uh, enter the draw to win a $50 Amazon voucher. All right, without further ado, let's go and meet Jason Vance from Bubble Up Marketing. G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation, and I'm very pleased to have with me all the way from Edmonton in Canada, Jason Vance from Bubble Up Marketing. Hey, Jason, how are you? Doing very well, thanks, Troy. Thanks for joining us on the WP Elevation podcast. What, what time is it there right now in Edmonton?
1: It is just after around eight twenty. Yeah. Okay.
0: Cool. So it's about midday here, just after midday here. So okay. it's, not, it's not too obscene. Usually when I'm on these calls, you know, nope. one of us is up at like 6 o'clock in the morning or it's midnight somewhere. Right. So uh, it's, it's not too bad. Uh, okay, before we get into this, a uh, quick uh, competition announcement. We're going to give away a $50 Amazon voucher today so you can go to Amazon and get your favorite business book. Stick around for details on how you can enter that competition a little bit later on in the interview. Hey, before we start talking about all things WordPress, Jason, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: Oh, good question. Um, I actually wanted to be a music teacher. Ah. Um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know why. I uh, just always loved music and um, the band teacher was awesome, so I figured that would be a good career. Never happened though.
0: <laughs> right. Do you play an instrument at all? Yeah, I play a few. I play uh,
1: guitar and piano and played a bunch of instruments in band and stuff, so yeah.
0: Cool. Awesome. And uh, when did you first discover WordPress? Do you remember the first time you saw the WordPress dashboard?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, it would have been shortly after WordPress came out. Um, I remember signing on to, I don't know, one of the hosts, like Bluehost or HostMonster or HostGator or something like that, and where they had the one-click installs going, and I thought, this is fantastic. I I'm, <laughs> i wasn't a developer or anything like that, and I could do a one, one-click install and, and go for there, and it was, it was awesome.
0: And were, yeah. you, were you trialing other, like were you playing around with Joomla or Drupal or other other systems at the time? Yeah.
1: Yeah, Joomla was our other go-to, and 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 still is for some projects. But um, yeah, we've been playing with both for years and years.
0: So, why do you think you why do you think you kind of stuck with WordPress as a like? Why did you kind of end up going down the WordPress road as opposed to the Drupal road?
1: On oh, that, it's you know, a lot of it comes down to the user feedback that we get. WordPress is really easy to develop on, for one thing, and I find the dashboard and the, the backend system way easier to work with, and so do our users. So. When they when we hand it over to them you know they're actually able to use it whereas joomla they just seem to joomla and drupal they just seem to mess up easier um and so so yeah wordpress is just a nicer system cleaner on the back end for open
0: source it's fantastic yeah yeah it's a similar a similar answer to a lot of people when i ask them that question is that wordpress is just a path of least resistance to building our own stuff and also to then teaching clients how to manage their websites as well yeah um, sure. Before we get into some of these details, I just want to let people know why I wanted you to get on this podcast. Uh, so, and this is something that's just occurred to me recently, is to, to try and give some context around you know, why I have certain guests on. So recently, I use Contactually as a CRM tool. And I don't know if you know Contactually, but Contactually basically remi- oh, it, it reminds me every day, it gives me five people that I should reach out to and just say hi and connect with. And, you know, one of those days, your name came up. You should reach out to Jason Vance. And I'm like, yeah, cool. Um, And I I know of you. You've been around. We've been on each other's radar for a while. So I sent you an email and said, hi, Jason, just checking in to see how business is going. Which some people might think is a bit weird. But because we kind of have some kind of, you know, relationship on email at least, then I kind of felt comfortable enough doing that. And I kind of figure I've got nothing to lose. So I may as well just ask you the question anyway. And your response kind of blew me away. Because usually, you know... You might not get a response, or you get a response like, "Oh, you know, things are really tough at the moment. I'm really struggling. I can't find enough clients." And I get your response, which is, uh, "You know, we are awesome. Business is going really well. We we are now a staff of eighteen, looking for a few more as well. Last year, we launched close to a hundred sites. Quarter one of 2014 was great, so it's shaping up to be another good year." And I was just like, "Man, I didn't realize you were growing so much." And I sort of sent you an email back saying, "That's epic, man. I've got to get you on the podcast," and you know so all of us can learn how you're building this company and how you're rolling out this, this many projects and how you're managing that many staff. So we're going to get into all of that a little bit later on. And sure. I hope people find find that interesting enough to stick with us uh, in interview. Okay, so thinking about what you do today, how do you describe what you do in one sentence? What's your elevator pitch, so to speak? Well,
1: now, I mean, it's, it's evolved specifically in the last couple of years, but usually, You know, when people say, okay, we're in marketing, um, I usually just say we're an outsourced marketing company. So, we'll take everything from strategy, branding, through to, you know, print design, web design, app development, whatever they need at the time. So, it's kind of taking that um, mid-market approach where they haven't found a marketing company yet um, or a a marketing person to hire. We're that that go-to source.
0: Gotcha. Okay, that's good. That's that's. I like that you know who you're who you're right for. Like I know that it sounds like you know the kind of client that you're right for is that kind of mid tier firm who 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 aren't at the point where they can employ someone in house, but then also not at the point where they can you know go and work with a DDB or a or a Cleminger, And so you guys right. kind of fill that fill that part of the market. It sounds like you've got a really good understanding Absolutely. of you know, who that client is. What do you spend mm-hmm. most of your time actually doing day to day? Are you still uh, still installing WordPress I- on the one clicker? <laughs>
1: No, 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 not at all. Um, you know, most of the time, it's, it's either a meeting with clients um, or, or with staff. Usually, those are the two things that I'm doing. Um, my responsibility in the company is, is overall management, taking out some of the large accounts and doing some strategic business development. So, that's, that's what I spend my days, you know, hammering out. So, no, I don't, don't do any design, no coding, nothing. Do you, uh, do you strictly like, business stuff.
0: Do you like the fact that you're doing the business stuff or do you, do you kind of miss being on the tools at all?
1: Not at all. I actually I cut my teeth on SEO. That's where my my home is, um, and I even haven't done that for for a number of years now. But um, so I'm I'm quite rusty, and I'm happy to to just be in business. I I love the business side of things. So yeah, that's yeah. where my passion's always been.
0: Yeah. Awesome. What's the one thing that keeps you awake at night?
1: You know, I would I would say cash flow is probably the biggest um, issue when when we're dealing with you know 18 staff like we have and. And uh, the banks, for whatever reason, they don't like knowledge-based industries. They, they don't like backing. If I had a fleet of trucks, they said, that's great. But <laughs> they just don't like it when you know, everything that we have is in our head, right? So, um, so yeah, that's the hard part is it's, it, we have no bank backing. So cash flow is always tight, especially when you grow. Like we've grown 400% in the last two years. So it's right. that kind of growth and staying in the black is always just the, the most important thing we do.
0: yeah. Um, what, what do you do when you're not working? How do, you kinda, how do you stay balanced and how do you keep your head together?
1: Balance, yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, I have a young family. I have three young kids. Uh-huh. And so anytime I'm not working, it's, it's with the family, doing sports, doing whatever. That's, that's the focus is family time right now. So, um, awesome. And, and it is, it's crazy at work still. So as long as I can bookend my days and make sure that my kids are taken care of in the mornings and at nights – Um, And then when they're in bed, then I can go back to work and do some other stuff.
0: It's funny. Well, I I remember asking someone that uh, early, early, early days of the podcast. I said, what do you do when you're not working? And they just looked straight down the the Skype camera and they said, (laughs) you don't have kids, do you? And I'm like, no, I don't. (laughs) If you had kids, you wouldn't ask that question. (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. Um, Okay. So if you could... uh, this is slightly different to the what keeps you awake at night question, but if you could wave a magic wand and fix one thing in the business right now, what would it be? Yeah.
1: Um, I think it would actually be one of the biggest challenges that we've faced over the last two years is is process development. So if, if you take into consideration when you're doing a project by yourself or with one or two people, it's actually, communication's easy. You're in a small office, you can yell at each other next door and, I mean, right now we've got staff that are literally from coast to coast in, in Canada, and, and then we've got, you know, one in the U.S., and so we're, we're virtual, some of our team is virtual. I've never even met some of, uh, you know, one of the staff members. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's process development. Now we're dealing with projects that are seven people need to be informed and communicated and making sure everybody's accountable on. That's the hardest part. So if I could wave, wave a wand, that's what I'd focus on for sure.
0: What do you use for, for project management, at of curiosity?
1: Um, we've used Active CoLab for a number of years. Um, we're, we're heavily invested in that, and that's, it's, it's hard to move away from. Yeah. Um, I think right now we've got an IT company that has also built a, a project management tool that we've had some hand in helping develop uh, you know, from idea perspective. And uh, it also has a good CRM component, and so we're likely moving to that in the next few months yeah mm.
0: it is hard to move away from tools that you've been using for quite a while isn't it very yeah very
1: much so yeah it's it's a big investment and it, and it just it kills productivity as soon as you move that tool it's tough
0: yeah yeah um all right let's talk about uh let's talk about uh bubble up marketing as it is today and i'm just gonna pull up i'm just looking at your site here sure and um so tell me Tell me what's the what's the thing that you're excited the most about. I, I want to talk a little bit about growth and staff and hiring and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But before we get before we get into the nitty gritty, tell me what's the the thing that you're really excited about the most at Bubble Up right now.
1: Well, we're moving more into the I would, software development side, um, where we're playing. You know, we're taking WordPress and we've built our own plugins and tools and things like that, and we're always we're playing in that, but. Um, we just find, uh, signed a six-figure contract with um, with a sports company, and so we're developing a series of websites for them, but also a, f- a full back-end for all of their player management and and everything wow. else. And so it's it's a it's a ten-month project, and uh, that's that's going to be fun. I'm I'm super pumped about that.
0: Wow. And uh,
1: and then so and then we're doing dealing with some government work um, on um, on transit applications where we. We're dealing with GPS app development, and um, you know where's the bus at? Basically, so uh, that's <laughs> that's another fun project that we're getting involved in right now.
0: Where's the bus at? That's great. Um, yeah. Hey, so let's talk about let's talk about the sporting contract for a second. How do you how do you? This is something that I've always struggled with, and uh, how do you how do you quote on a job that big? Like how do you not burn no. yourself? So. He, here's the thing, yeah. right? You go to word camps, and I go to WordPress meetups all the time, and talk to freelancers, and they're all like, "Oh man, you know, I got this job. I got like my biggest job ever, and it's you know, twelve grand for this website." And then you talk to them three months later, and they're like, "It's killing them. There's no profit in it. You know, they've they've just completely yeah. uh, they've completely um, you know toasted themselves." How do you how do you negotiate a six figure contract and know that? First of all, how do you work out the scope? How do you know how long it's gonna take? You said it's a 10 month project. How do you know how long it's gonna take? How do you know what price ticket to, to put on it? And how do you know that you're gonna be able to deliver that and still make a profit at the end of it? How do you kind of work through that?
1: Sure, um, that's a tough tough thing to do. Um, we've, you know, I just had lunch with a, a friend of mine. They have a staff of 120, they're, they're in software development, they deal in $5 million contracts all the time. And he gave me some, some assistance with it, but you know, um, what, what they do is don't quote on hours. Uh, they quote on almost like modular, modular development. Mm. And so, um, now there's two ways to go at it. You can go at a fixed price, which is what the client usually likes, or you can go at it, uh, agile, which is what we like, you know, cause then we can develop and it's fairly fluid, but, um, but they wanted a fixed price in this particular example. So what we did is we phased it out in two phases. One, we did the software analysis. And out of that, um, you know, we will, I mean, we, we put a ballpark number down on the table based on the labor that would be required for the project. And we thought, okay, team of three or four, you know, four, 10 months, we're okay. Yep. Um, and, and then we add our margin in and all that kind of contingency planning and whatnot. Uh, then. You know, we broke it into two phases. One, we do the software analysis of their existing system, mm-hmm. and then we will put a scope on the table with a more firm price, right? So I think the total not right now is around 140k, mm-hmm. um, but uh, when we when we go through the software analysis, the true number will come on the table, and then they make make a decision go no go at that point, and we hold to that that accountability agreement mm-hmm. and the project scope versus the original one that was based on the RFP they, they issued.
0: Gotcha. And so this, obviously you're getting paid for the software analysis, right? Yeah, correct. Okay. So I'm just chunking this down to like a smaller project where a, a WordPress consultant who might be used to sort of working on five, 5K websites is now sort of starting to quote on 15, 20K websites. And yeah. what they're doing is... Um, And what I'm a big fan of doing is building a prototype or building like a a proof of concept at a lower price point so that we can then throw something up in the browser, see how it's going to function and how it's going to feel before we quote on what it's going to cost to have this thing designed and developed into a finished product. So that's what you're doing is kind of putting in some security, if you like, like a security blanket that will do this amount of work. So we think it's going to cost this much, but let us do this amount of work for this price, and then at the end of that, we'll have a more accurate idea on what the finished product is actually going to cost.
1: Yeah, exactly, because you really don't know until you do a software analysis on a project that big. Um, You know, you need to get in and get your hands dirty and get your hands on the code and what they're using, what reports are they generating right now? You know, basically, data in, data out, what's what's being... um, what's the current software being used for and what are their challenges with it mm. and then once you know that then you have a better idea of how you want to build the new one so mm.
0: and so the uh, your audio just dropped out a minute ago when you were talking about fixed price versus agile so can you just walk me through the the kind of the agile pricing again is that kind of qu- quoting per deliverable or per module how does, or is it like a weekly rate how does that work
1: yeah it's it's per module at that point and the customer has the capability of changing scope as they go cuz inevitably they do. Um, they see a, a cool piece of candy and they're like, hey, I really want that. You know, and, and so then you got to negotiate that out if you're in a fixed price contract. Whereas in Agile, you can say, no problem. Here's, we're going to develop to that. It's going to be a little extra, whatever. Um, those open-ended contracts are great, but they're few and far between. Most people like the fixed, fixed contract.
0: Yeah. How do you, this, is some, this is something that's a big problem for every consultant, scope creep, how, when someone yeah. comes to you, and, and you're absolutely right, you've hit the nail on the head, um, you know, you get halfway through a project and, and someone's seen a shiny object somewhere that they, that they just must have, that it might not be – uh, my approach is always, well, well, how is this new thing going to help us achieve the objectives that we've all set out to achieve? I mean, if, it, if, it, if it's a new piece of technology that is going to help us, then we need to revisit it, but is it, are we just being distracted by shiny object syndrome? How do you have that conversation with clients who come back and say, hey, Jason, we need to add a membership portal to our website because all of a sudden membership sites are popular and, you know, we just want you to throw that into the time and, and, and cost estimate that you've already given us. How do you deal with that conversation? we say no. <laughs> um, I mean, it depends on the, the size, I guess,
1: the size and scope of, of, the, of the ad, Right. There's some things that literally you'll take you'll take an hour and it's a massive win for the client. Yeah. And if that's the case, well, many times we'll just take it in because it's a good it's a good approach for both parties and uh, and it, it makes us favor- favorable in the client's eyes, right? Yeah. Um but I mean there's other components where you'll be in a, in a in a project that's thirty to fifty K and they realize, oh shoot, we have to do this particular report out of this. And uh, we all forgot about it, and, and we didn't know about it, and, and they didn't you know, come to us with it. So at that point, it's a change order saying, yeah, I agree, this is required, this is needed on the software, but you know, it's not in the scope, so therefore we will have to, to go out, out of scope and get that done. And either they can swap out um, time for time, right, or they can, they can come up with more budget dollars. It's really up to them at that point.
0: And what about from a resource management point of view? Like, I mean, if you've got a team of developers working on a development server and all of a sudden there's a new thing that needs to happen you know a new module or a new you know widget or whatever it is how do you slot that into the development schedule is it something that you then do at the end or do you just say this has to happen now or
1: uh depend every situation is a little bit different um you know part of the issue uh this happens all the time because right now we've got between 40 and 50 projects on the go at any given time let's say 30 to 40. Wow. Um, And so you know what will happen is a client goes silent for a little bit right. Um, (laughs) It can happen and they, they you know they don't come up with their content or they don't approve the design quickly and something happens on their end but then when they come back to life they expect that you're there waiting for them and what we've had to do is just educate them saying look like we've got all these projects here's the um, the timeline that we have allotted for your project. And if you come back, you know, three weeks later and give us approval, we are going to take some time to put it back in the development, uh, priority list and so, they have to be okay with that.
0: Yeah. I'm just making some notes here on some things I want to, uh, uh, ask you before I forget. So, sure. so you said, okay. So so um, again, that's a sticky conversation to have, isn't it? Because a client comes back, yeah. all of a sudden. You're right; they go silent for a bit. All of a sudden, they wake up. They're going to be in their bonnet. They come back, and they think that you've just been sitting around for three weeks waiting for them. And yeah. so they come back, and and they're surprised that you're not just going. Oh wow, you're ready to keep moving on this. Well, that's good because I got nothing else to do. So, right. how do you? I mean, I can tell you've got good communication skills and good people skills, but ha- what advice would you give to someone who is nervous about that, who, who says, okay, well, the client's woken up and they want me to do this and I feel like I have to jump out of my skin to keep them happy. What advice would you give to managing that client's expectations and just letting them know that, you know, hey, there is a, a schedule here that we all need to work to and just because you've got, you know, a, a, a bee in your pants doesn't mean that we can drop everything.
1: Yeah. Uh, great question, because it's a challenge I think that a lot of web developers face, right? Um, what we have done is, if you're having that conversation in the middle of a project, it's too late, <laughs> because by that point, um, the customer expects, you're dealing with customer expectations and that's the hardest part of anything, so it has to be dealt with up front. Um, what we have uh, implemented is an accountability agreement between the two parties, so it's, it's separate from the contract. It's something that we do at the kickoff meeting, and we say, "Okay, here's the milestones." We're basically setting from the kickoff meeting. We we come up with uh, uh, wireframes at that time. We go through. Uh, here's our milestones for content draft designs, approvals on the client side. Here's what we're responsible for. Here's what you're responsible for. And and actually, we've we've implemented recently. We've implemented uh, almost like a penalty, if uh, if if they're late, we're going to charge them. Um, an additional fee basically per day uh, that you know for, for being late, if we're late, we're giving them a credit or a discount off the project per day. Wow. So both parties are involved and our skins on the line, their skins on the line. And, um, and so far, I mean, we've only had one customer that kind of pushed back on it, but um, it's going quite well and it's it's they're getting it to, to us on time.
0: Wow, <laughs> so, which is awesome. How do you, how do you know, like, do, how do you know when a client's not right for you? Like, do, how do you know when there's, what are the things that send alarm bells off in your head early on in a relationship where, you, you know, at what point do you say, you know what, you're just going to be too much of a pain in the ass and I don't want to deal with you and it's not worth it.
1: Yeah. That's probably my, di- my most difficult. I'm a sales and kind of business development by nature and I, 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 yeah, I really struggle with cutting off. We've got two runaway projects right now, and um, only two. And out we of, do have
0: at <laughs> of, thir- of 30 projects, you've got two runaway projects, and that's all that's pretty good, man.
1: Yeah. Uh, we have a clause in our, in our terms and conditions that says we can nuke it at any time. Um, I don't like to do that. Uh, you know eventually, if a customer is willing to work with us, we've had customers that come to us, let's say we quote nine or 10,000 uh, on a site. And, and between negotiations, we realize, look, like there's more to do here. And last year we did one that was probably about twenty-five thousand dollars worth of development. They probably got for about fifteen or sixteen grand, mm-hmm. um, just because you know we missed some stuff on the scope. They missed some, some. They didn't communicate some of their expectations, and and we worked together to resolve it, right? But that's a mature client that um, understands business and is willing to work with you. The hardest ones are uh, immature. Their expectations are way out of line and they will slam you and they'll go online and write bad reviews, call me a used car salesman, whatever. And and sometimes that's just, you can't please everyone. Um, we've had customers, one horror story last year, they came back to us at the very end. They were ready to go, they were ready to push the button to go live and they wanted all their money back all of a sudden. We don't know what happened. I don't know if they you know ran out of money or they, they didn't want to pay the next half of the bill. I have no idea Um, because they were up to the day before they were encouraging us saying everything looks good thanks great and then all of a sudden pull the trigger No, the salesperson said everything we get all our money back no (laughs) can we have all our labor back (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that was a tough one but we ended up just not delivering the site and i took them to collections what are are you going to do wow
0: yeah yeah it's sometimes you got to Sometimes you've got to play hardball and stand up and have enough self respect to say, "You know what we had an agreement exactly, and uh, yeah. otherwise they'll walk all over you. A lot of our audience I know are going to be learning a lot from you because you it feels to me like you've kind of been through a lot of experiences that that a lot of our database and a lot of our list haven't so you 've built this company you're working on big projects you've had to work a lot of this stuff out, and I know that they're going to be they 're kind of like walking up that hill now and they're going to be getting a lot of gold out of this but what I'm curious about is how did you work this stuff out did you have Mentors or business advisors who you reached out to the, to to help you do this?
1: Not really, no. Uh, I think a lot of it was trial by fire. Um, and the the biggest thing that I could say is is track your hours. Um, you know, we have our team track in fifteen minute increments, so we know, uh, and we do a profit and loss statement for every single job that we do, so we know true costs, um, what our net profit is, where we went wrong and how we quoted because that can go back to the sales team and they can understand oh you know we, we needed to increase this cost for this module or or it helps the developers figure out oh we should have quoted more you know or we should have come allotted more hours for this particular component or whatever and so a lot of it is just simply looking at every single project and learning from every single project and we've had you know our toughest probably uh projects over the last 2 years have been econ projects as soon as we get into e-commerce, we had no idea the, the amount of account management and business consulting that you have to do on an, on an e-commerce. It's not simply slapping some products in. And, um, and now we're telling clients, really, if they have a bricks and mortar store, we're saying, look, you need to spend as much time and energy on your bricks and mortar store uh, You know how, when you launch that store. Mm. So if you spend hundred grand on launching your bricks and mortar store, be prepared to spend that much. In launching your second location, which is essentially your online store, yeah. right? Um, they need to know that it's going to be pain. There's going to be a lot of work, um, and they have to make decisions, and they're going to have to be available for that. And that's, you know, it's tough for them like, unless they want to just go to Shopify or something, you know, um, yeah. big commerce, whatever, and just and and use those pre-canned frameworks, which are great, you know, uh, for for a startup client, right? That doesn't have the money to put into a
0: custom e-commerce system. How do you, um, how do you have that conversation? Like, I mean, I get this question all the time. Well, you know, how come your, how come you, your websites are priced at that? When I can, you know, I can get it outsourced in India for like 300 bucks or I can go to sites and stores. I don't know whether you have them in in Canada, but there's a company here, sites and stores in Australia. They set up a website and and an online store for like 399. What do you say when, when customers say that to you?
1: You know, usually I'll ask them some questions um, that determines what they're really looking for. I mean, when it comes to strictly price shoppers, they just, the reality is they just might not have the budget to work with you. Yeah. And, and that has to be okay. We have a couple of referral partners where, you know, if somebody walks in looking for a $1,500 site. Um, we'll refer them out and just say, hey, great. I'm glad to meet you. We're probably not a fit. Here's yep. what we start at. Yep. Um, and we'd love for you to get in touch with this company we work with them they do good work and they you know it's a one person out of their house yep they're they have low overhead they yep. don't um they don't charge much they're great yep
0: right gotcha and so yeah so so how do you know your pricing like how do you work out how do you work out you know what you where you start like what your cutoff point is or how do you work out when a job comes in how do you say okay well you know, this is this is the this is a fair price for the value that we're going to bring.
1: Right, uh, a lot of it comes down to we can talk about the value of our staff. I mean, most of the staff have you know, bachelors of, of computing science, or they have a master's in something. They have their marketing degrees. I mean, these are these are seasoned vets, a lot of them, and they can. They're. I look at it as we are we're business problem solvers, right? So we've got. Um, got somebody who comes to us with, with an issue that they need to solve. Uh, our developers may never have seen this technology before, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they may never have solved this problem before, but we're responsible for fixing it. Whereas the guys down the street that are just graduating out of, uh, you know, a college or, or eating out of KD and Jell-O for, for lunch and stuff, they, they might not have, um, they won't have the same depth that we bring to the table. So they can't, they can't do what this customer is asking. So that's where we usually differentiate ourselves and in, just in the, in the type of projects that we can tackle compared to a typical commercial site that starts five, six grand. But how we, how we base this on is, is tracking our, our effort and labor. And we have a, um, a starting price point for all of our sites that we start off with. And then we just, depending on what the client wants, if they want an intranet portal, here's what it's going to cost to build, depending on the feature set. They want an events module. Here, here's what it, all of that photo gallery it's all added in. You want a custom slider? Here we go. Um, you know, responsive design is already built into everything that we do. And so, you know, a certain base is always there. And yep. then whatever they want on top of that, we just start building module by module.
0: Do you itemize things out? Like, do, do, do you itemize project management and account management and design and development? Or do you just kind of bundle it into, well, you know, a website's going to cost that much and a photo gallery's going to cost that much. Or do you, do you itemize the different kind of skill sets?
1: No, I try not to because inevitably the client, especially if they're price sensitive, they're going to come back and say, can you take out this one little line item? Yeah. And you know, it's hard to pinpoint the specific value of that one line item. So I try to, I clump everything together and here's the base and the base includes project management, includes um, like contingency override. It can, it, it, uh, a 70-point checklist that we go through on every project that we do. And so that's all included, and the modules are priced separately. So if they wanted to take out a module, no problem, but they can't take out something in the base because it's just, it's yeah. just built in.
0: I used to itemize that kind of stuff. Sometimes I still do, but I had a client once said, oh, can we take out the project management fee? I said, <laughs> sure. Do you want to deliver it delivered on time <laughs> and within budget? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. then we can't take out the project management fee.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: I'm like, man, come on. <laughs> some people just don't. <laughs> some, people, some, some people will never see the value in, in you know, in that kind of thing. Um, what yeah. do you, what do you, what tool do you use to track your time for your staff?
1: Uh, still active collab. Oh, that's what you. they're using or, or active collab, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. That's the predominant part that we use.
0: Cool. Um, <clears throat> let's talk about content for a second. How do you get, what's your process for getting content from clients on time?
1: Uh, now it's through our accountability agreement that we've set out in the kickoff meeting. And uh, right now, what we're doing is we won't show them design until we get the content. Oh, yes. <laughs> huh. So it's it's, it's it's the one thing that we have that they are interested in, they want, um, and they want to see what it looks like. So we'll give them a checklist because we've we've prepared the wireframe in advance, right? So they know they're going to get a slider, they're going to get three call-out actions, they're going to get you know, a welcome page, all of, you know, all of these things, right? Mm-hmm. And we'll give them a checklist that says, here's the pieces, we want 200, car- 200 words for this, we want you know, um, some images for this particular slider, we want whatever. Mm-hmm. We'll give them a checklist, and then we expect that before we get the design finalized and show them what they're going to see.
0: Um, do, you, do you know um, Andy Clark at all from Stuff and Nonsense? No. So he's no. a U- he's a UK designer. Wrote a book called uh, Transcending CSS. He's one of my web design okay. heroes, and he's had this kind of methodology that he's been. I, I mean, I discovered him like you know six years ago. He's had he's got this methodology called designing from the inside out, and that's basically right. the process he goes through where he he doesn't do anything until he's got the content. And his argument has always been, how do you know what you're designing until you've got the content? Right. And I see yep. this happen all the time, I, and have this conversation all the time where web wordpress developers are like well we've given the client the theme and now the client's trying to you know we're trying to get their content and shove a square peg into a round hole why do you think most consultants like why do you think our kind of default setting is to design a theme and then get the content from the client What, what like it makes perfect sense to get the content first but why do most people do it backwards
1: well i think part of it is driven by the client um because some, sometimes you get the pushback saying well I don't know what to write until I see what hole it's going to go in, what cubby hole it's going to go in. And you Part of it is just becoming confident in your process enough and understanding the pain points that happen in the in the project development process that you need to say look we're the professionals here, um, This is you're coming to us to get your site done, right? And, and you want it done, right? So therefore you need to follow this process. I mean when, when we say look we've we've done we did ninety four or ninety seven projects last year or whatever it is um, there's some respect that comes out of that right yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or we've been doing this for ten years we have some depth here we know what we're doing it's you've got to come and you've got to have an element of trust to work with us mm. so they need to follow our process
0: mm. I, I like the fact that you don't show them the design until they get the, until you get the content because the design is the thing that kind of uh, uh, everyone's lizard brain They like, like they want to see the design because that's the shiny skin like they want to see you know how For sexy sure. is our new website going to look so that's a real uh, carrot that you're dangling well as soon as you give us the content we'll show you the sexy skin you know <laughs> exactly I like it, it yeah it's
1: because as soon as you give the design then we found that that's when they stall it's like yep. they almost think the project's done at that point yeah, oh, yeah, that yeah. looks really cool yeah. okay now let's go do something else yeah right? and, yep. and and no, you're not done yet. Yeah. <laughs> We've only just begun.
0: <laughs> yeah. So do you show, when you, how do you present designs?
1: We're fighting through some of that. Um, what we have struggled with is that people, you know, they'll, they'll say, well, it doesn't look good on my screen. Um, <laughs> we, we develop in a test environment, right? And so um, if we're showing them an actual developed framework, uh, works it's a temp url that we're dealing with you know that's not indexed by google and, and all that stuff um, if we're showing them a concept uh, i can't remember what tool we use but it's one that shows it in a couple of different screens right so it'll show it in you know here's a here's a desktop view here's a tablet view here's a here's a phone view and um, and that works okay um, and usually it's in a pdf format uh, at that point um, and with you know kind of marks around the edges so they yeah, the hardest part is they say, well, it looks small on my screen. And, mm. you know, they've got this big, you know, 24-inch monitor and they're scaled way out and they think it's, you know, it's, <laughs> I don't know. So you got to jump through the monitor and try to show them, no, this is what it's really supposed to look like. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we've experimented with everything from having them come into the office, um, you know, because some of our clients, a lot of our clients are local. They're in our area. So we can actually have them in the office and show them, here's what it is. We had a browser issue the other day where you know we, we showed the client. They said, oh, it looks terrible on, on a bunch of our computers in, in-house. in And we determined, though, they were using IE7 or something. Mm. And uh, OK, talk to your IT team. You need to update your browsers. We don't, in our agreement, we'll, we'll, we'll develop to the current browser and one Below. previous version. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Um,
0: otherwise, we're who knows what we're going to get. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Uh, what do you use? What what tool do you use for wireframing?
1: <laughs> You're gonna laugh, but uh, we're we're low tech when it comes to wireframing. Awesome. Um, wh- one of our designers, uh, we got a magnetic, got a big magnetic whiteboard in a, in one of our boardrooms, and uh, literally, we'll have a kickoff meeting, and we have all of these different components, these magnets that we've created, yeah. and we will literally wireframe. On the magnet board, and then we will get the client to sign off. This is on the kickoff meeting. Wow. We'll get them to sign off on on the wireframe right there. So we've we've done all the wireframe in collaboration with the client. The kickoff meetings usually go an hour to an hour and a half, and out of that, we've got you know a good design, you know, go forward strategy, including the wireframe.
0: Wow! And then what you just like take a photo of the magnetic whiteboard and, yep. and that's it. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. Yeah, it's
1: you know because the client. I mean, we could do it on the screen with tools, but it just we found that these little magnets just we can move things around real quick, and it's, we don't have to deal with technology, and it's just easy to con- conceptualize for the, for the client. So That's it's, it's low-tech, and they're handmade magnets, but it works.
0: <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Um, okay the obvious question here is uh, leads you guys you know 97 projects last year you just said before you got like 30 or 40 projects in development now where do you get the leads from where do you find that much business
1: Uh, well first of all it's positioning in the search engine so we're positioned well in google uh, Mm -hmm. before we get leads for that Um, the other thing that we're we've joined um, and I've been involved in for years is an organization called business networking International yeah, BNI. BNI yeah. and uh, there's chapters all over it yep. you know and we're, we're right now in three chapters for BNI and I've been a member for five or six years now and it, they're fantastic right, right. Um, and so really between those two sources and then our, our repeat business and and we also have a few marketing agencies that even though we're a marketing agency, we have other marketing agencies that will refer work to us, right? Um, Because maybe they do a really good job at strategy and design. um, And then they come to us for development as an example. So, or they're good at print design, but they don't like developing sites. So we we partner in tandem with them. And I think getting those uh, referral relationships is huge. Mm. If you can can tap into a source, like an IT company, let's say, would be an excellent referral source Mm. for... um, for a developer, right? A freelance developer, if they hook up with one or two IT companies that has a few hundred clients, usually IT companies are discussing websites at some point, maybe they do hosting and email or whatever, and they can feed you feed you business all day long. Mm. So that's where we've focused on those referral relationships.
0: So any tips for because uh, you know I'm a big fan of getting out of the building as well, but I must admit when I first started out, you know, eight years ago, it was very easy and very comfortable and very safe to sit behind my computer screen and, yep. you know, push pixels around the screen and think that I was having an impact. And it was frightening, like literally it was, it made me anxious and nervous, the idea of going to a networking event and trying to meet people to drum up business. So, yep. and I, you know, I don't lack confidence. I'm, I'm an extrovert, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I come from a performance background, but there was something about walking into a networking room and trying to meet people that made me feel like I was like, like it made me feel like I was speed dating, you know? It made me feel a bit icky, yeah. right? So yeah. you've obviously got a lot of experience with BNI. Any tips on how you can best present or how you can best position yourself at one of those networking or referral meetings f- so that you don't just come away feeling like, you, you know, it was a waste of time? Sure, the you know, I'm,
1: I'm naturally an introvert um, and so I had, I had to force myself to get out. Um, what I liked about BNI is it was small enough. And the cool thing about it is everybody gets it. Um, they, they're naturally, they're trained to refer. They want to refer. Everybody in that room wants to connect you with somebody else. Mm. Whereas you go to a... Um, not knocking Chamber of Commerce because we're involved in a bunch of different business associations and Chambers and whatnot, but it's a totally different ball game going into one of those networking meetings compared to a BNI meeting mm. because um, everybody's awkward, right? And, and you, <laughs> what, you know, what I do sometimes, um, you know, one of the tips is just act like you're the host, right? If you, if you walk into the room and connect one or two people that you know, and all of a sudden you're connecting with other people just, act Like pretend like you're the host, and just grab some confidence and just go for it you know and that's that works
0: that's awesome advice. So I remember uh starting work at a bar when I first moved to Melbourne, and I was really nervous and I was pulling beers and the guy the manager said to me, "Walk around like you own the joint, otherwise they will chew you up and spit you out yeah, and it was so true and I, and I really like that practical tip you gave then is like find two people in the room that you know and connect them because that then that yeah. makes you kind of the the next or like the fulcrum if you like of the whole network like position yourself as someone who can connect other people rather than just walking up to people and you know trying to get business cards or trying to give your business card because that's a bit desperate and a bit kind of needy isn't it
1: it is yeah another tool that we've used um you know for the person that's really shy that that doesn't like to network at all A lot of the chamber events that I've been at, they have an element of a trade show booth, Um, you know, and maybe they just have in the circle of like the outside of the room, they have a few tables set up. And if you get like a, a vertical banner and a tabletop display and some brochures and cards, everybody's uncomfortable at those things. So yeah. what do they do? They go around to the edge of the room and they visit all the booths. So if you don't yeah. like networking with people, just stay there yeah. at the booth and everybody's going to come talk to you.
0: Yeah. So it works perfect. Yeah. You're so right. You are so right. Everyone is uncomfortable at those things. And that, I think that's really important to remember. You're not the only one that's awkward and uncomfortable at those events. Everyone feels a little bit awkward and uncomfortable. And I think yeah. it's important to remember that. Like, And it kind of levels the playing field a bit, doesn't it? For sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. Awesome. Hey, um, let's get, this has been epic. Let's get into our elevation round. So for those of you that don't know, WP Elevation is a business accelerator for WordPress consultants. And in the elevation round, I'm going to ask Jason a series of quick questions. And hopefully Jason is going to give me some, uh, quick answers off the top of his head. Uh, all right, let's do it. What's the number one thing any freelancer or consultant needs to know?
1: They need to know how to quote a project, um, and how to track their time and analyze a project, and then move forward, learn to the next project, to the next project, etc. cetera. They have to know that. Awesome. What's the best know thing the you've numbers. ever done?
0: Say again?
1: Just know the numbers.
0: Yeah. So here's the thing about the hourly rate, uh, just to digress from the elevation round, one question in. Um, <laughs> here's the thing about the hourly rate. I'm always going on about, you know, lose your hourly rate, you don't need an hourly rate, but you need to know what the business costs you an hour to run a project, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, what's the best thing you've ever done to find new customers?
1: Uh, Joint B&I. Oh, yeah. There we go. Hands down.
0: Yeah. How do you stop competing on price? Just don't. <laughs> if if they're not a fit, don't don't go there.
1: Awesome. Um, find some other people that you can refer to. And, and uh, the only other thing that you could do to compete on price is build a better tool, a more efficient tool, that's going to save you money, but then you can charge this value, but your your cost input is, yep. is down lower. Um, so either use technology to drive your price down because you're more efficient yep. or just don't take it on.
0: Yep. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Love it. Any tips on writing better proposals or increasing your conversions of your proposals?
1: I would say get really detailed um, so that they everybody knows what you're going to deliver. Because if there's Questions. The whole thing about is managing customer expectations. Mm. So if you can get a detailed proposal, most of ours are between fifteen and seventeen pages. Wow. Um, and and that's a standard like six thousand dollar type website, right? right. Um, with a full accountability agreement in place. So it also differentiates you from the next guy who's giving a one page quote. Yep. Right. Um, you've got a fully branded, bound, professional cover you know, proposal that you're giving out.
0: Yep. Uh, nice one. Favorite tool or system for CRM?
1: CRM, I haven't found a great one that I like. Um, I think most of them are way too complex for most of us to to be bothered with. Um, we just finished using Microsoft CRM um, and now we're using a simplified version, project management slash custom developed tool that we have. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, spreadsheets work really well. <laughs> <laughs> if you want Just to start out, you know, just use yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes Excel is just your best friend.
0: I've asked that question to some, you know, some people who I thought were like, you know, really big influential entrepreneurs, and their answer has been, "I just use my Gmail inbox." (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, What's? I think I know the answer to this question. What's the best way to keep a project and a client on track?
1: Yeah. The, I would say our accountability agreement that we put in place make sure the customer knows exactly what you're delivering and what they're delivering and when you're delivering it
0: love it uh, any ideas for getting referrals from your existing customers
1: you know we we have a bit of a referral program um, where we put one of our customers anybody who gives us a referral we put them into a draw and every quarter we you know draw for something fun like a, you know a Kindle or you know an iPad or Whatever, maybe dinner, dinner out and tickets for something. Um, but, uh, yeah, every client that walks through, we do, um, I write a letter. We have a, a standard letter that goes out, introducing the client team and all that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't know most of our clients. I haven't met them, even some of them. So I sign off and say, my door is always open and, you know, we want to give you a great experience. Feel free to check out our referral program. And that's, that's worked out pretty good. And then B&I has been fantastic as well.
0: Right. And, uh, what's the number one thing you can do to differentiate yourself?
1: That's a tough question. Um, and it's a good one. I think I'm a big proponent of doing what you're, you're passionate about. So follow your passion and get really good at your craft so that you know what you're good at and what your skills are good at. If you're really good at developing and you can do some really cool stuff, then be the best at that. Mm. Um, Find out what your strengths are. Strengths Finder, like by Marcus Buckingham, you know, is an awesome book. Uh, Do a disc assessment or a colors assessment on yourself um, just so that you know what you're good at and where you fit in the whole business world, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But feed that passion and build your skill set because as soon as you do that, you will be a bit of a you'll be a magnet because mm. people will come out of the woodwork to talk to you because you're the best at what you
0: do. Yeah, awesome. That uh, is great advice and worth the price of admission, ladies and gentlemen. And for a free podcast, that's not too bad. Uh, that concludes the elevation <laughs> round. Hey, so what's that book? Strengths Finder, is it?
1: Yeah, Strengths Finder. Um, the author is Marcus Buckingham, um, and it's got a tool in the back. If you buy the the actual book. Um, I think it's a Gallup poll-sponsored book, and you can go and oh, yeah. it'll it'll give you all of the different strengths that you have as an organization or as as yourself, just naturally.
0: Well, we're going to give away a fifty-dollar Amazon voucher, so you can use that to buy Strengths Finder. And here's the deal: so we're interested in how you're using WordPress for large, complex projects. Yeah. So leave your comment underneath this video, maybe with a link. Hey, we'll make this a bit of a, you know, chest beating competition. Show us the most complex, amazing, <laughs> mind-blowing thing you've done with WordPress. Uh, leave your links and your feedback underneath the video, and I'll get Jason to swing by in a few weeks and award the prize, and you will pick up a $50 Amazon voucher to spend on whatever you like, but preferably a book. Um, one question that occurred to me, so you're, an, you're a marketing agency. I have a lot of WordPress freelancers who are developers, and they don't, they're not interested yep. in doing a lot of client face work. Like they're not interested in building a business and building a team and becoming an agency. They just want to be an awesome developer. And, they, and they're always saying to me, well, how can I use this positioning stuff? And how can I, you know, use what you talk about if my clients are actually marketing agencies, right? So here's a question. If, you, if a freelance WordPress developer popped up on your radar who was technically really good, how yep. should they go about getting your attention,
1: To get my attention, you know, it's actually not that hard. Sometimes they come through my technical manager, um, you know, to get my attention. I think, you know, I get inundated with people from India and, and different countries, and, and saying I'm good at this or I'm good at that. And most of those I just ignore. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to really refer, refer in. A lot of them come from my staff. Like we, we're, we're engaging one guy right now. Mm-hmm. Um, he worked with one of my staff or a couple of my staff a number of years ago, and he's fantastic. They said he's the brightest guy they've ever worked with. He loves working from home. He wants to do that. He doesn't want a job. Otherwise I'd try to hire him. <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, but, he, so I'm using him for special projects. Some stuff that doesn't fit within our wheelhouse. Um, and maybe a strange CMS larger projects, something, some weird app development. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll, I'll siphon those special projects off to him because I know he can handle that. And it, And we can experiment with that relationship Mm. um, versus trying to fit that within my my core, you know, development process and team. Mm. So that's that's how I've usually it comes through referral. I would say to get to know.
0: So what doesn't work? Like you know, obviously someone just cold emailing you. So I'm trying to work out. Yep. If we can work out what doesn't work, then maybe we can work out, yep. you know, what does work and, and how, how a freelance developer could get the attention of an agency like, like Bubble Up or like, you know, the thousands of other agencies around and say, hey, I'm a freelance developer. I've got some capacity. I'm really good at what I do. But how do, you, how do they – how can they cut through the noise and, and stand out from all of the cold emails and, and the cold calling that you get?
1: Yeah. I mean, I will look at the odd uh, email. It depends on my – what my day is like, right? Um, but really, more often than not, if they're if they're willing to pick up the phone and call, hmm. and and they get through my receptionist, right, and uh, and they get through to me, uh, or at least leave me a message or something like that, and say I'm sending you an email, watch out for it. I want to sit down with and, and chat with you about this. Um, and you know, I'll usually I'll usually kick back a response to my reception and say if this person calls, let them let them through, yep. or. Um, or just and if they if they make if they leave me a voicemail I'll just pass it off to my reception and say okay schedule this guy in yeah and then I'll just have a look at their stuff we'll sit down for 20 minutes maybe a half hour tops um, and we just want to see what they're doing how they've done it and it's more a personality feel at that point if I yeah. if I think they're doing good work and I I I can trust them I think their systems are good um, then I then I'd be willing to give them a shot but sometimes it's just hit and miss and you got to try to get in.
0: Mm. I like the idea of calling to let you know that there's an email coming, so that when the right. email arrives, it's kind of warm and you've been preempted a little bit. Right. Awesome. Hey, uh, what's the future for Bubble Up Marketing? Where are you guys going to be in twelve I months? I think we're going to
1: focus. You know, we. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I've got I've got a few things on my radar, um, you know, but I want to I want to develop more uh, on the larger the larger projects uh, for sure. I think. Um, we can still crank out a lot of projects, but it gets, it's, it's hard, you, you know, to, to keep growing the business, we need to make sure we're doing larger projects. And uh, I think we'll be more of a full suite, you know, offering. We need to go back to our clients. We have about 700 right now. We need to make sure that we're going back to them and saying, here's all the other stuff that we can do, right? So rounding out our services and doing more complex stuff.
0: Nice. And uh, what do you think the future of WordPress is? I mean, Matt Mullenweg's been talking a lot about it becoming an application framework and a web building framework. Yeah. Where, where, where do you see it going? Yeah.
1: Man, I, I, I don't know. I, it's come so far from when it started. You mm. know, and and sometimes you still combat the the fact that people are thinking it's not that, that free blogging tool. Yeah. You know, and yeah, yeah, it is, but it's come so much, you know, so much further, I guess, than than that now. Mm. Um, I see. Yeah, like a, a development framework um, that we can, we can do some really cool stuff with. Just the stuff that I see that we can use with WordPress right now, it's just phenomenal. Like everything from, I don't know, custom e-commerce stuff that we're, that we're doing. Um, I do see some, yeah, are they going to be applications, application frameworks that come out of it? And it's, it's templates, you know, that people can plug into. Mm-hmm. I think the future is more pr- product development. So it's mm. it's you know actually taking taking WordPress and creating almost like a platform out of it, and then using that as a framework for project after project after project mm. after project, because um, that'll save time and, and, and money.
0: Do you guys have any plans to get into the uh, the SaaS space or the WordPress product space?
1: Not no not right now. We we there was there's a couple of jobs I'm pitching on right now that that might turn into something. Um, Yeah. Maybe not for WordPress for Magento. We've got one that we might be doing, but, uh, but WordPress so far we're, we've held everything pretty close and just custom for our clients.
0: Cool. Uh, okay. Finally, uh, wrapping up, what is the number one piece of advice you would give any entrepreneur trying to build their own business?
1: I would say get out there and network and, uh, know your numbers. If you need to get a business coach, um, they are fantastic resources. Some of them are expensive, but you can find some that are really, really good. And don't find a business coach that, um, I don't want to knock business coaches, but that, that do the, this vision and mission and all of that high level stuff. I think mm-hmm. if you're a freelancer, the first thing that you need to do is be able to turn a buck. You yeah. need to be able to make a profit. That's the most important thing because that feeds your family, that get, pays for the mortgage, whatever you've got going on in your life. Yeah. Once you've got your systems and your framework for making the profit in place, then you can focus on the other stuff. Um, otherwise you could spend months on all the high stuff that's still important and it's culture setting, but it doesn't put food on your table, mm. right? So, so find, know your numbers and, uh, and if you get kicked get back up and start again.
0: Yeah, yeah it's good advice. It sounds like a good plug for WP Elevation, my friends, if you're a freelancer <laughs> starting out. Join WP Elevation and uh, get your, your feet on the ground. For sure. Take those first steps. Hey, just quickly, on staff, how do you know, like, mm. so you've got 18 staff, how do you know when the right time is to hire?
1: Uh, cart before the horse all the time. You know, <laughs> usually... Uh it, it comes to everybody's tongues hanging out. We're working like crazy, <laughs> and uh, and we know okay if we get if we get this job or that job, we're going to have to pull the trigger on another person. Right. Um. And that's usually how we've played it. I, you know, I mentioned that we don't have bank backing, so that means it's, we have to stay in the black. We have no choice. Yeah. So that means it's got to come out of the excess cash flow that we're generating. Yeah. To, to make sure that we've got the work on the table. So I'm always watching. Not necessarily. Yeah, I watch all the the regular income statements and revenue, but I want to know how much contracts we have on the plate at any given time, right? What's the total mm. amount that we're working on? Mm. And once I know that, then I can see okay, three months in advance or six months in advance. You know, then I can see okay, we we need somebody coming up in month month one, two, or three or whatever.
0: And when you do hire, like, how do you how do you get people? playing the same game how do you get people to buy into your culture how do you how do you make sure everyone's on the same team
1: yeah um one thing that we do is run them through a disc assessment um it's like a colors or personality assessment and and that's that's one thing i use to to help establish their personality type and how they might fit into the team um usually they're coming to us um sometimes out of out of a specific college and um you know, from the Edmonton area. And so that that works out well. <sighs> sometimes it's just a numbers game. So I'll usually have at least two other people in the interview, at least at the second interview, we'll take them through at least two, sometimes three interviews and then a disc assessment before we make a decision. And so, you know, the first time, and all we're trying to do is establish culture and fit and, uh, you know, skills, Sometimes, you know, you get somebody coming out of university and they've got a great, great base to work on. Mm. But if you're doing some custom stuff, nobody's going to know that, mm. right? Um, they're going to they're have to pick it up as they go, but they're going to have some basic tools and, and skills to work with. Um, sometimes universities are several years behind, mm. it seems, um, compared to what's going on in the marketplace. <laughs> so they just have to get up to speed and
0: it's more attitude and tenacity that's going to get them there. So hire character and teach skills. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome. Hey, finally, where can people reach out and say thanks for this, Jason?
1: Sure. Um, you know, they can reach me. I'll give you my email address. It's uh, jason at bubbleup.ca and shoot me an email. And um, <laughs> out of one of the many that I get every day, I'll <laughs> maybe maybe put um, WP Elevation in the, in the subject line so I know what's going on and that'll, that'll hit my radar better, so...
0: Awesome. Uh, last question. Who would you like me to try and interview and why?
1: Now, I don't know if you've interviewed it, but Matt Cutts from Google, have you Have you gotten in his no, head Yes.
0: I haven't interviewed Matt. In fact, he's not even on the list, but that is a great call, man. Uh, yeah, I'd, I, uh, I would yeah. love to see that. I might be able to get hold of Matt too. I've got a pretty good relationship with Justin Catroni at Google Analytics, so I might be able to hit okay. him up for an introduction. Yep. Uh, Matt Cutts, sure. keep your eyes on your inbox. I'm coming to get you, courtesy of Jason Vance from, <laughs> from BubbleUp. Hey, man, thank you so much for spending so much time with us on the podcast and excusing me while I went and moved my car halfway through. Um, I really appreciate it, and I wish you all the best for the future of Bubble Up, and I look forward to seeing how you guys evolve. Right on. Thanks a lot for your time. Thanks, man. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode and that interview with Jason Vance as much as I enjoyed making it. I certainly learned a lot in that episode that I'm going to be applying to our own business. Uh, Remember, this episode was brought to you by Obox Mobile at Code Canyon. It is a WordPress plugin that allows you to turn your WordPress site into a mobile site that kind of looks and feels like a mobile native app, not just a responsive site. I'm starting to use this plugin and offer mobile versions of websites to clients. It allows you to set it up very quickly. It's got a beautiful admin UI in WordPress where you can uh, choose and customize the the mobile skin and it allows you to add another service uh, to your offering so check out wpelevation.com slash obox mobile that's O-B-O-X-M-O-B-I-L-E for a video walkthrough on how you can use this plugin to drive more revenue into your business and Remember to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. It's at wpelevation.com slash subscribe. And when you do subscribe to the podcast, you'll receive access to a free content creation webinar where I'll teach you exactly how we go about making content here at WP Elevation. Remember, everything to do with this episode you can get at the show notes underneath the video at wpelevation.com slash Vance. That's all one word, no spaces, no hyphens. And remember to leave your comments underneath the video to enter the competition, and Jason will swing by soon and uh, award the prize to a winner. All right, next week's guest is Dave Jennings from Melbourne SEO and Melbourne Video Productions and Dave and I are going to talk about how you can own your uh, your niche if you like you can own your space by running workshops and turning those products turning those workshops into products and how that's going to benefit you from a search po- uh, search results point of view so come back next week and check out the interview with Dave Jennings it's going to be epic I promise you as always until next time go elevate